Lord. I asked Miss Madeline if she would come and pray over me, and if y'all would join her as we get ready to open God's Word. Kind Father, as we come to you today, dear Lord, we come with humble hearts, dear Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be here with us, dear Lord, and that you would be able to be free and move in a mighty way. We pray that you would just cover our pastor with your blood, dear Lord, and help him to speak only the words that you give him, dear Lord. And we pray that you would just, just that you would just move here today in a mighty way, and that you would just speak through him, dear Lord, all the things that each one of us need to hear this particular day, dear Lord. We all come here with different things going on in our lives, kind Father. Even our pastor has things going on in his life. We pray that you would just clear our minds of all these thoughts, dear Lord, and that we could just concentrate for a few minutes on you, dear Lord. And we pray that all things would be done in according to your will this morning, dear Lord, because we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You saw on the front of your bulletin that we're talking today about Heal Our Nation. As today is Flag Day and we pay respect to our nation, we think about our nation, but when we think about our nation today, in the crisis that it's in, we would all, I think, agree that we need a healing in the Lamb. We see and we have things that we think need healing. But I believe there is a deeper need of healing than we realize. And I want us today to take a look into God's Word in Acts chapter 3. As we make our way through the book of Acts, we're going to look at a healing that happened. This is after Pentecost has happened, after Peter and those spoke in tongues and many became saved. This follows after that and over the next several weeks as we make our way through chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5, you're going to see a continuing pattern. The Lord performs a mighty work. Peter gets arrested. Peter gets an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. In the beginning of Acts, we were given the command to, to go into Jerusalem and Samaria and the remote part of the earth, and that's what's beginning. As the church forms, they begin in Jerusalem within the temple, their closest area, spreading the gospel. And as we go through Acts, you will see it as it goes from Jerusalem to Samaria and to the rest of the world. And I want us to look today, if you have your bulletin there, you'll see an outline if you would like to fill it out as we go along. That does tear off on both sides if you want to keep that uh, somewhere. But if you have your Bibles open to Acts chapter 3, if you would please stand as we read God's Word. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, 
in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the Solomon's portico of Solomon full of amazement. Father God, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray now, Lord, that you would continue to speak to me. That, Father, you would allow me the glorious privilege of sharing, Father, what you've been speaking to me this week, Father. And I believe that those that are here and those that are listening, Lord, you have a message for them. It's not my message. It's yours. I'm just the messenger. Father, would you speak through me? I pray everything in the precious and the holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We begin to see here very quickly now that uh, Peter and John are making their way to the temple, and it tells us there that it was the ninth hour, which would be at 3 p.m. It was common practice at the 3 p.m. hour that there was prayer and there was sacrifice, and many people would come, and they would come to the temple during that time because they would want to see the sacrifice being performed, and they would want to be able to be a part of that prayer that was happening. It was their custom to do that as they made their way to the temple at that hour. But what I want us to begin to look at here is the first thing we're going to see is there was a perceived need. There was a perceived need that was happening in verse 2. It says, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. There was a perceived need. Now, what we need to understand, first of all, is it tells us very importantly that this man had been lame from birth. It's not a man that had just become crippled. It's not a man who maybe recently began to fake it so he could go out and shake the can and get a few dollars. But he was lame from birth. Do you see a perceived need here? If you were lame from birth, you would have a need. And what it tells us as we continue on in that verse 2, that he was being carried. They were making their way. He had friends that would carry him to the temple. He wasn't already there. He wasn't sitting down, but he was on his way. And it says he was on his way to the gate called Beautiful. Now, if you 
get out some of your Bible history maps or some of those that might have pictures of the temple. A lot of times you won't see the gate beautiful listed there. Some believe it was in one place, some believe it was in another, but it would have been in an area that caused uh, great attention as people would be entering that away. One place, a gentleman named Josephus that was writing talked about this beautiful gate. He said most of the gates would have been covered in gold or gold-plated, but this gate very possibly would have been built out of solid bronze. It would have been beautiful. It would have been so heavy that when they went to go shut the gate, it would take about 20 men to push the gate shut, and the beauty of it would show through the sun reflecting off of that bronze. But as they were making their way to the temple and this lame man who had been lame was being set down there as they entered the temple. And then we see that even Peter and John, first of all, began to see this perceived need. At verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. Now this is very common and a perfect place for someone to collect alms. Because in their temple worship, they would talk about how it was a Christian thing to give alms to others, to help others out. So what a place to do than set up at the entrance, we would say at the entrance to the church, people getting ready to go into worship. And most of the Jews at that time wanting to seem good, wanting to have some pity and getting ready to go to worship once their hearts right would begin to give alms. And that's where this man was at. And he's asking as he sees Peter and John getting ready to go in, he begins begging. And you've seen that alms, alms. And I'm sure he had that little can and he began to shake it. But most people would walk on by and they would just flip a coin in there and move on their way. But something is different about Peter and John. Verse 4 said, Peter and John Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He has a perceived need of alms. He's blind. He probably doesn't have any kind of a work or income. His friends carry him, and they set him down there, and he perceives that he needs this money. And he sees Peter and John going in, and he calls out to them, asking them for money. As most people would do, they would just flip it in. So I'm sure he was like, alms, alms, and he'd carry away. But we notice something different about Peter and John. They look at him, and they fix their attention on him. And they say, look at us. In other words, forget everything around you and focus right here. I'm sure this lame man began to get all excited. These men have got his attention. Maybe they're going to make some grand show for everyone to see. But they say, look at us. And they get his attention so that he will pay attention because something is fixing to happen. Amen? We always know that. And what we're going to begin to see is very similar to something that Jesus did in his power. But let's look not just at the perceived need, but there was a practical need. Maybe we could say the, the real need, what this man 
needed was not what he perceived he needed. It was not just alms. He needed something more. In verse 6, Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. Now, very possibly, they're standing there at this beautiful gate, most likely maybe made out of bronze, not the gold gates that they're used to seeing. And maybe he looks up at it. We don't know. And he begins to talk. He says, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you. But Peter is very quick to say of what he has is in the name of Jesus Christ. What's about to happen is not from Peter. Peter has Jesus Christ living in him. Peter has the power of Christ. And what's about to happen is coming through the power of the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. He looked at him and he said, walk. The man didn't need alms. He needed to walk. It would change his life. He would be able to get a job. The practical need was walking, not just a handout. And Peter told him to walk. And then he says, And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. He told him to get up and walk, and Peter didn't just go on. He didn't say, get up and walk, have a good day. Peter said, get up and walk, and he goes over, and he grabs the man by the hand, and he picks him up. And if you notice there, it says he seized him by the right hand, and he raised up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. It took some faith on that man's part. You know, we can ask for a miracle. We can ask for God to to use us, but unless we're willing to step forward, all the times we see God working in miracles, he begins, but there's a part where he had to stand up, and once he stood up, immediately. That doesn't happen if your legs have not worked since birth. You don't have muscle tone. How many of you ever been stowed up in the bed for a week or two at a time or in the hospital? You begin to get to the point your legs don't work. This man's legs have never worked. But immediately at the name of Jesus Christ and his faith of standing up, his ankles and his legs and his feet stood up and he began to move. In verse 8 we see there, with a leap he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Very important right here. The perceived need of alms, the practical need of healing. But do you notice that it said with a leap he stood up and began to walk and he entered the temple? Church, this is the first time in this man's life He's ever been allowed to enter the temple. If you were lame or crippled, you could not enter the temple. If there was something a matter with you, you couldn't enter the temple. This man has always been taken and laid at the gate outside of the temple. And for the first time in his life, because he has been miraculously healed, he leaps up and he begins to walk and with, I'm sure, the glory and might of his face to enter in to the temple for the first time. He has been healed in the name of Jesus. And then we see, thirdly, the praise need. Amen? When Jesus Christ works, there's praise that's needing to take place. 
And we see right there when he stood up and he leaped and began to walk, he praised God as he entered that temple, which I'm sure he longed to do for so many times. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. When your life is changed, when there's a a practical need, when the true need is met, he gets up and he begins to praise and he begins to to shout, I'm sure, hallelujah, and who knows what else as he walked in there. In verses 9 and 10, as we get there, it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Remember what I told you a few weeks back, when God works, God works for his purpose and for the attention to bring glory to him. God has performed a miracle through Peter in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. He healed the man, his true need, and he was able to walk in the temple, and he began to praise God, and others saw it. And unfortunately, that's what gets Peter arrested. You know, we look today, and as I titled this, uh, Healing Our Land. We need healing today. If I was to take a poll and and send out a survey, I guarantee you the first thing, if I asked you, most of you would put on there is a perceived need for our nation. How many of you would agree that we need law and order restored? Amen? How many of you would say we need great leaders in Washington? Amen? How many of you would say that we need some healing for these families who have lost loved ones senselessly? Amen? That's a perceived need. That's not what our country needs. Our country needs a practical need, and that's Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes into our country, these other things will fall into place. The perceived need of this lame man was alms so that he could live. When Jesus Christ came in, he got his legs and he could get his own arms. You know, as we look around, so many times we see fighting between black and white, fighting between all kinds of different people, and everybody's, oh, my rights this and my rights that. That's all a perceived need. We look today, and you can turn on the TV, and you'll find people that you claim are your enemy. There are some people in Washington that we say are evil. We say our problem is with this group of people, this uh, denomination of people, this race of people. That's not our problem. The problem is Jesus Christ. When we come to battle, we're not battling against Republican and Democrat. We're not battling between black and white. We're not battling between in-laws and outlaws. The battle is between Satan and us, period. All the other is the use of Satan, maybe. All the other is coming together of evil. But the practical need is Jesus Christ. We as believers need to be ready to stand firm. Nicole sang that song, I Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. Where is your allegiance? Is it to the world? Is it to the nation? Is it to your job? Is it to your money? Is it to your retirement? Is it to your health? 
If it's any of those, all of those will stumble, crumble, and fall. Jesus Christ is the practical need. Jesus Christ is the real need. With Jesus, we receive the peace. With Jesus, we can receive community together. When we can get past looking at people for whatever reason other than a human being, we will always have a problem. But the practical need is our nation needs Jesus. I am thankful that there are still some people in America who believe in Jesus. Unfortunately, there's not enough. And there's not enough that will be willing to stand the price. How do I know that there are still some who believe in Jesus? I look back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. God had created the world. And the world had gone bad. And he saw that he was going to start again. I was just sharing with someone the other day. We look at how bad the world is today. I cannot imagine how bad the world was when God decided that he needed to start over. He found one man out of all of creation that was right. Look at us in here. Many of us in here today are right with God. And there are many around the world, but yet look at it. Imagine if there were none of us, what it would be like. But there was that practical need of Jesus. And when we bring Jesus back into America that was founded on godly principles, you can look at our pledge, you can look at our Constitution, you can look in factual history documents that are no longer in the school books, and you'll find out that we were founded on godly principles. But we begin more and more as a nation to push God out, and God is allowing exactly what we're asking for to happen as a nation. Several Wednesday nights ago, we talked about uh, Second Chronicles, uh, I think it is, or where it talks about if I send pestilence. You know, Satan doesn't like God's people to get right. And when COVID-19 come, I believe many turned to that and many fell on their faces and began to repent for themselves. They began to repent for our nation. God began to move and Satan said, I've got to get a stronger hold. And George Floyd happened to try to separate people. You know, in Jesus Christ, there's unity. In division, there's destruction. Heal our land should be our prayer as we fall on our faces before God, asking Him to forgive us first and then to forgive our sins of our nation and our land. God can then begin to give us the practical need. We've got to get beyond the perceived need and get to the true fact of who it is, and that's Jesus Christ. And there's no other way And let me tell you, church, when that begins to happen, there's going to be a need for praise. Hallelujah. I praise God for his work in my life. I praise God for his work in your life. You need to praise God that we still have some freedoms and that we need to stand up and we need to be bold enough to say, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb and to no one else but that Lamb. If you are willing to say and mean, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb, 
Would you please stand for just a moment? Above country, as much as we respect our nation, and above everything else, would you say with me, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. May you bow your heads.